I want to thank Research Consultants International for sponsoring today's podcast. They're a globally renowned lead generation firm that helps economic development organizations create real prospects. They've helped over 500 economic development organizations. Let me tell you exactly what they do. They facilitate one-on-one meetings for economic developers with corporate executives who will have projects soon. They can facilitate these meetings to where you travel to the corporate executive's office and meet them there, or you meet them at a trade show, or even have a conference call so you don't have to pay for travel. They recently launched a service called FDI 365, which provides you a lead a day of fast-growing companies that will be expanding soon. Their research has helped over $5 billion in projects get cited since inception. I encourage you to go to www.researchfdi.com to learn more about research consultants. As far as I'm concerned, they are absolutely the best lead generation firm in the business for economic development organizations. Call them now. They can help you create real prospects. Welcome to this week's episode of the Next Move Group. We are Jobs Podcast. This is Chad Chancellor, co-founder of Next Move Group. And today we've got Joseph Boylan with us. He's the executive director of the Wilkes-Barre Connect up in Pennsylvania. Joseph, I think you're our first Pennsylvania guest. You might not have been. We might have had somebody grew up there that's moved around, but I think you're our first Pennsylvania guest. And Joseph's organization is really doing some impressive things in innovation and entrepreneurism that I think our listeners are going to get a lot out of. So, Joseph, thank you for being with us today. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Wilkes-Barre? Yeah, well, th- first of all, thank you for having me on. And I'm it's, it's an interesting fact. I'm first one from Pennsylvania. So just I think you are. We may have had somebody else that, that grew up there that moved elsewhere. But I think you're the first Pennsylvania. Well, hopefully you're, you'll hear in the podcast the reason why that is, is quite interesting. You hear someone from Wilkes-Barre first outside of the major metro area. So Wilkes-Barre is located in northeastern Pennsylvania. We're part of the Scranton, Wilkes-Barre, Hazleton, MSA region, which constitutes about half a million people. We have become one of the top 10 locations for logistics in the country, basically because we sit right on the interstates of 81, 80, and 476. In addition, we're two hours away from most metro large areas, New York City, a few, few hour drive of Boston as well, in Baltimore as well. So we're just sitting at this interesting location in northeastern Pennsylvania where Folks like Adidas and Chewy.com, Patagonia are all setting up million square foot distribution hubs within the past 12 months here. All right. And I know you guys are doing some cool stuff with entrepreneurism. And the more we're in business, so when we started our business six years ago and everybody just wanted manufacturing jobs. And now with unemployment where it is, I think more and more people are doing entrepreneurial stuff, which suits me because I'm an entrepreneur. So I really like that. And in reading what you all have done, I think you've done some different stuff than our listeners may be accustomed to. So talk about some of the special things you all have done. Absolutely. I think we, we made it a focus. And when, when we launched Wilkes-Barre Connect, again, which is the Entrepreneur and Economic Development Arm of the Greater Wilkes-Barre Chamber, that was the primary focus. And we love to say that when we launched, innovation was dead here. It had some spurts. Entrepreneurs, as in the economic development world, we love to take credit for them, but they found their own way. And for us, we just saw the impact they could have. And we knew that we had to capture them and figure out how we could partner with them. 
And so part of the focus on Connect is not only providing space. So the Think Center, which I'm sitting in right now, has co-working space. It's about 6,000 square foot tech and multimedia center. But now we have four downtown incubators and just opened the second accelerator building in the entire state of, of Pennsylvania. So for us, all of those projects, whether it's owned or in partnership with our local entrepreneurs who have been successful in the past 20 years here, and so they've given their time, their money, and their, and their, their resources to help really build the culture here. So starting with the co-working and working its way up to whether we're doing hand-holding to uh, do some cap raises or going through the basics, the business plan fundamentals, we've really taken an effort to really focus on growing entrepreneurs because what we've seen, there is a huge opportunity of folks that don't even know they're entrepreneurs. And I think for us, we focused on them and letting them know that that idea that's been rattling around in their head, you are an entrepreneur. Come on in and let us take that idea, pull it out, and really start to run with it for you. And, and that's the beauty of what we can offer at Connect. Now, how do you find those folks? So, so I agree with you 100%, but how do you target? What is your messaging to get those people who have that idea to think to themselves, maybe I am an entrepreneur, so they come talk with you? Well, it's actually, it's funny, it's a byproduct of what Connect was intended to do. When Connect was formed, um, we had a, a staff that had, was at its heyday about 30 people. We were down to two. I was the second full-time person on board. So Connect became an automated online system of which businesses can request services. And what we did is simply identified some entrepreneur opportunities within there as well. So if we we're walking down the street and someone said, hey, I've got an idea. We sent them to wilkesbearconnect.org. They completed an online form in about a minute saying, hey, this is the idea I have. How can you help me? And from there, we enlisted our network of partners, whether it's uh, Wilkes University or Penn State University or Ben Franklin Technology Partners. They were right by our side to, to come in and start taking that idea and running with it. So I think it was the ease of which people you know, push that idea out from the comforts of their own living room if they want, being in a crowd of getting that embarrassment factor. So that's really been a huge, huge component of how we've grown. Well, I mean, you're, I just think back to my own story. I had this idea for probably 10 years before we started the business. So I'm glad we started when we did. I can see, you know, somebody pulling that out. The incubator space is also important. I mean, just right now, our company, we, we just made the decision we're probably going to hire somebody else here in the next month or two and we're in a building to where we can kind of flex up into more offices as we need it and so I don't have to commit to a bigger office than I need or I get an extra one so all that stuff we have a lot of small towns listen to our podcast and so even the smallest of town probably has an old building where they could do something like that with what do you think has been your biggest success out of that program I always go back to our friend Ian Robson who is the founder of American Paper Bag Ian was a great story. He was part of two manufacturing companies out over Europe and had exclusivity for this manufacturing process for this specialized paper bag for North America and was out scouting locations. He was in Canada. He was in seven other states and accidentally came through Wilkes-Barre on his way down to Allentown near Philadelphia and walked in on the about the third meeting we ever had with our Connect core partners. So we said, come on in and chat with us and kind of fell in love with what we were trying to do here. And so next thing you know, we spent a weekend here. I gave him a tour of the entire uh, Northeast here. He fell in love. So we set him up in our Think Center. He was the first coworker 
here with just his idea of launching this company. And he loves to say he was down here, it was just him and I, no coffee, no water. I think we had two chairs at that point. And for us, he has grown now into about 45,000 square feet of manufacturing space in less than a year. Some of his clients include West Elm, Chipotle, Victoria's Secret, Wahlburgers. It's just expanded rapidly. We helped partner with him to secure some capital from the out in the Seattle region. Uh, and he has defied expectations already in his first year uh, heading into round two. He'll project to add about 35 new jobs, expand in that flex space to another 25,000 square feet next year. And it's just been an amazing story to have him sitting in this little space as Connect was born, Ian was born, an American paper bag. And now some of the clients he's working with is incredible. Just, just to know that he is really, he came through when we were starting and he's, he's one of our proud children of the program. So you also have flex space for manufacturers. It's not just office space. Right. We had an interesting trajectory here to get the industrial parks up and running. It was really a labor of love of the chamber. We were a developer of last resort and that now has led to private development taking over the creation of different industrial parks, including uh, Miracle Commercial, which has uh, Centerpoint Park, which is one of the fastest growing parks in the country. And what you see a dynamic that he has created is that flex space. And it's perfect for someone like Ian, an American paper bag who started at about 10,000 square feet and needed to go to 25 and then to 40. And so for him, it allows him to, the space to grow with him as his company grows. So that's been a huge selling point of what our private developers have done locally and really has been an attractive component. As you know, it's economic development, long gone are the, 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 the drag out days. It's, you know, I need X amount of space. I need it yesterday. When can I be operational? And I think the flex space has really been a great tool for us, the entire region to attract companies here. I, I do too. And there's lots of small towns out there that have an old building, industrial building that maybe they could do something in. And, and again, being an entrepreneur myself, we don't need manufacturing space. We need office space, but, but we have mm-hmm. to flex in it. I mean, we, uh, we're growing, so I got to add people. And I just think that's huge for any entrepreneur to be able to flex up as they get contracts and not have to make long-term commitments. So I think that's probably a lot to do with why you're being successful and it's something that our, our listeners can take away. And our listeners know the coal miners are really important to me. I spent time in Kentucky I was raised blue collar. My dad was a construction worker and the coal miners kind of remind me of that. And we've done several shows on, uh, on different things that are being done to help the coal miners find work in your part of the country. I know you guys have a program, I think called Coding the Coal Region, I believe is the name of it, that, yes. that I'm interested in. So talk about this if you don't mind. Absolutely. I think it's been something, and speaking of Kentucky, they're, they're really leading that edge of, of addressing and actually specifically providing coding opportunities to, to the coal miners and the generations there. And I think it's something in Pennsylvania, specifically Northeastern Pennsylvania, we wear as a badge. We're so proud of, of being a coal region. And I think from our, our standpoint, that has really driven our ability to, you know, in terms of the workforce, determination, the hardworking folks that we have here, I think it's been ingrained in the next generations. And for us, Um, We talk about that transition now from the coal mining that really ended back in 1959 with the Knox mine disaster into what the next generations can be in Northeastern Pennsylvania and computer programming has become the top of the list. You know, as, as an economic development professional, 
You can't get through a conversation for more than a minute without workforce coming up. And workforce is just something that continues to plague, no matter the industry, the type of business. And so for us, we decided to take a unique approach based upon some of the, the strategic planning that we do and understanding. We just don't like to solve a singular problem. We like to address the environmental problem, if you want to say kind of like a design thinking process. And the stat that caught my eye was, this is after several meetings with these companies. And as we're building these accelerators and incubators and clients coming in, they need more and more programmers. In a six-month span in 2019, loser and counting, we had 217 job postings for advanced computer programming skills. And we project to add another 600 in that industry in the next five to seven years. During that time, we produced seven qualified candidates from our schools. And this is a profession that offers 50,000 entry level for our region is very good when we have a medium income of about 33, 34,000. But I'm telling you, I had companies that say, hey, if you could find me someone, I'll pay them $75,000 today. And so as we started to look and understand the problem, we, just, we saw that the traditional way of addressing that is that, you know, traditional go through the government side, go through the academic. It's about a three-year turnaround so we could start to help these companies. So for us, we decided to be proactive at Connect. And what we did is we sat right in the middle of our developers and the ones doing the hiring saying, identify the skills gaps. And what we did is we took those and found a good partner and so happens to be Microsoft to develop those skills into a customized certification program that we could start providing immediately to students and young professionals locally or folks looking to get into that industry and come to our Think Center, get a customized certification course co-taught at our Think Center, and not only leave with the certification, most likely leave with the job. And so for us, we're, we're about 30 days from finally announcing this. This has been a labor of love for months. The cool thing is, while that is the short-term impact, the long-term side is developing a system where K through 12 students can start having access to monthly computer programming skills that they might not be getting in their traditional academic setting, but they can have access to it. So our focus is, I don't care what your background is, I don't care your demographics, what your opportunities are, we wanna make sure that you can have access. And for us, that's the goal. And something that started as a, a little project to solve 50 jobs that we had open, now we're looking at potentially impacting a million students over the next six years. So. Yeah tune as this rolls out, but this is something that we are so proud of that as coal really defined our region, and then the warehouse distribution has defined the last few decades, now we see the next opportunity to be a hub for computer advanced computer programming workforce. Speaking of the computer programming workforce, I know you all have been chosen to be part of the America's 250 celebration. I believe it's called America 250 PA in Pennsylvania. Governor Tom Wolf's highly involved. And I think Wilkes Barr has been selected to be part of the innovation team for what they're doing. So talk about that and kind of the opportunities that's going to create for you all. Absolutely. It's, it's a project we're very proud of. Uh, America turns 250 July 2026. U.S. Congress appointed Pennsylvania as one of the host communities for the celebration. In turn, Governor Wolf and his legislative body created a commission made up of academic, business, and community leaders, and even including former and past governors of the, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. They appointed an executive director, and in a true government fashion, there was no funding, there was no 
resources behind. So they came to us to help create a launch of the initiative and define what America 250 can be working with the commission. And for us, it was a tremendous opportunity. It was an honor. And one of the first parties that we brought in, which was just really gives you the chills, is we brought the U.S. Postal Service in. We had been working with their innovation team for the last couple months on some pilot programs for them. What better way to build an innovation team than utilizing the foundation of an organization that was there from day one of this country? So for us, it was a tremendous opportunity. And what America 250 is really shaping up to be is an opportunity for us to celebrate the past and innovate the future. So from that economic development perspective, we're not only celebrating and working with historians and academic institutions across the state to document the amazing things that have come out of Pennsylvania, but we're using this as leverage to start getting communities to think differently, uh, addressing problems. So the commission and our team have come up with different challenges that we've issued. As we talked about coding the coal region, that's one of the challenges that I come up of. How can we make Pennsylvania a hub for advanced computer programming skilled workforce? Some other challenges talk about how can we make government work more efficiently and effectively integrating different technologies. So there's constantly challenges that are going to be coming out through America 250 over the next six years. And our role at Connect is to help manage and launch these pilot programs, help secure funding. More importantly, we measure them. So not only we can decide of whether these programs can elevate the potential statewide projects, but also we want and, and are excited to be able to demonstrate the actual economic impact this initiative that is taking off in America 250 is creating for the Commonwealth as a whole. You've mentioned Microsoft several times. Did they have a large presence there? Or is that just a partnership you all have? Fingers crossed. Hopefully that is part of America 250 and beyond. And, and right now, they, they've come on board with the Coding the Coal region and have really worked to challenge the state to, to not only build this pilot, but look of how this can become a statewide effort. So for us, Microsoft is kind of that private push mm -hmm. that is, is saying, yeah, you want to do it? Let's do this. So for us, we're excited about the potential opportunity to call them as a true partner moving forward, especially for a community like Wilkes-Barre, that we could say that they are one of our partners in Microsoft, where it's an exciting opportunity. I know you all had a conference last November. You had 250 attendees, folks from the White House and IBM and others. And out of that conference, some of these programs you've talked about came out of or, or were expanded upon. So talk about that. Is that something you, you're going to do again? Or was that a one-time deal? Or uh, what are your plans? It, it is now an annual event. It, it, it actually was born out of a group of students that we had been working with, our student ambassador group that said, you know what, it's great that you tell us all these things that you're working on and these companies that are starting to spin out uh, locally, but no one else knows that. It's time that we start to tell the story. And so for us, we, we decided to put this conference together. No idea what the heck we were going to get if we were going to have 15 people there. But we just said, you know what, let's do this thing. And it evolved into something that, you know, to have students from 15 different colleges and universities, eight or nine different high schools represented there. And to see some of the folks that came up, gave their time. And what I love about, you mentioned some of them, I had Ashley Axios, uh, who was the former creator director for the Obama White House. Zed Funches, who's worked in and out of the MBA, he's got a, a, a great project called Schooled that he's working with Amobi Okogu, a former MLS soccer player. Dr. Dale from MIT Solve, 
folks from IBM, Liz Keener, we had the U.S. Postal Service Innovation Team up there. They didn't just come up, speak, and get out of Wilkes-Barre. They spent time here. And uh, for us, that really meant a lot. But I think it really showed that we've got something different going on here. It's not your traditional chamber or economic development piece that we're rolling out. We're trying to change. And for us, that conference really helped to change the mindset locally that these things are happening. So if you're a student, you know, my daughter's a freshman in high school, no longer are the days where she thinks she's got to go to Philadelphia or Pittsburgh in the state to find what she wants to do. She's seeing now that opportunity can happen right here in her own backyard. So we're excited. We've already got the date, November 18th. We're set as a kickoff for next year. I don't know how we're going to get bigger and better, but we're going to try. You know, I think uh, as I look at your organization, what you all have done, I think one of the biggest differentiators is you really use technology and automation. You've built processes to try to help businesses. And, uh, you know, business is getting faster by the day. So talk about, I'm sure that was a uh, philosophy. You didn't just stumble into it. I'm sure that's something you all have tried to done. So talk about kind of the automation technology used to assist your businesses and any other things that you really feel you guys do different than most economic development organizations? Absolutely. And, and I mean, a lot of the common problems all of us as economic development organizations share, you go through your business retention and expansion activities. You're going and talking to businesses, try to understand, you know, what they're going through, how we could work together to solve some of their problems. And it just became more and more apparent, the frustration level with uh, the business side, the private side, of two things, time and communication. The communication side of they felt like if they had and wanted to do something good of, hey, we, we want to add a new piece of equipment, we want to add some jobs. Boy, it was a six month drag out process, 25 business cards, five different agencies, it was endless meetings. And quite frankly, they don't have time. When we were going to see these businesses, hey, you've got five minutes of my time. Here are the three things that I need help with go do it. And so it was kind of that head scratching moment where we're like, okay, we've got to change. We can't have round tables and we can't expect them to leave their office and, and leave what they're doing. They're trying, you know, I, I grew up in, 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 in uh, family business, you know, you didn't just turn that light on in the morning. It was 24 hours a day in my house. And so, so for me, it was, okay, we need to start to look at how we could be a better agent for these private businesses. If they only have five minutes, how can we collect the information they need and deliver for them? So that's where we've really integrated technology and automation. And not only the way that we're collecting information and collecting requests of whether it's the parks portal that we launched for the state or our connect program that I talked about earlier, it's the way that we're delivering it back. You know, this day and age, it's, it's all about on demand when and where you want to consume information. I always say my father did his best work after 11 o'clock at night because my mom and, and my brother and sister and I were sound asleep. That's really been a focus of how we've also delivered that information. So we're constantly building webinars, podcasts, video series. We're live streaming every event that we have. So if you're that small business owner that needs to understand maybe something on QuickBooks, we don't need you to leave your office. We're going to live stream it here and we're also going to record it for you. So if you want to watch it at home, that's when you can, that's when you could um, really dive in and understand. So for us, technology automation, we've embraced it to not only communicate with our businesses, but deliver the services back that they need. And it, the response has been fantastic. I think it's really going to be important for BRE programs going forward. I'll never forget when I first started in 2004, 
the first BRE visit I went on, I had been trained to like take this form in and ask 20 <laughs> questions and you sit there with your clipboard. And like after the third question, I could tell the guy didn't want to answer me. He felt like he was testifying to the grand jury. I was, I was writing his every word. And so I realized then this ain't going to work. And so after that, I just started going in and having a conversation with them. But I can see where now, you know, we do a lot of work where we have to interview plant managers or on our executive search side board members. And we got to where we give them an option. You can either do a survey monkey and, yeah. and answer these questions or we can meet with you in person. And most people choose the survey, which is fine with us. That cuts down on our time. But I mean, just as the world changes, I think well, what you all have done embracing that, I, I really tip my hat and. And, you know, some of this program we like to kind of do as a best practices, and I feel like that's best practice uh, for you all. Talk about, uh, you said before we started, you could talk sports with me, and so my listeners know that uh, that I like sports. Are you a Penn State guy, or uh, who are you up there? Oh, I, I, so I'm a Penn State grad, but I will say when it comes to football, I'm Notre Dame football. Really- oh, <laughs> I think you got a good coach. I mean, it's hard academically to do what he does, but I was surprised Florida State or somebody didn't go get him. I've actually been impressed. I mean, to get to the playoffs several times, I think he's done a, done a good job. They used to play Penn State every now and then, but I can't remember the last time Notre Dame played Penn State. Yeah, I mean, back there, they were one of, you know, Penn State was one of the last independents hanging on there with, with uh, Notre Dame before they joined the Big Ten, and that was almost an annual thing. And I, they, they played a couple years ago. The rivalry's coming back. Um, Notre Dame, you know, just finished Georgia, uh, their rotation. I think they pick up Ohio State. Wisconsin is this year and next year. But uh, and then we get Clemson coming into the South Bend in October. But I'm just a college football fan to begin with. It's I love it. Pro football as well. My family and I, we've been season ticket holders to the Philadelphia Eagles since back at Veterans Stadium. So I'm still riding high from the Super Bowl a couple years ago. I think we sold our souls and we're okay with it. We got we got our ring and uh, that's it. But uh, that's all right. You'll never come off of it. I'm a Saints fan. We won ten years ago, and I still I remember just like it was yesterday. So it makes the <laughs> losing afterwards not hurt as bad. It still hurts, <laughs> but it doesn't hurt as bad once you get it. So absolutely. You, you talk about being raised in an entrepreneurial family. So how did you get into economic development? Oh, that I, I took a crazy pathway. Speaking of sports, I was in school at Penn State. Marketing was my background. I was dead set. I was going to do some sports marketing. Interviewed for a position with the Philadelphia Flyers and an internship opportunity. That, that's where I wanted to be. Philadelphia, I've got some family roots there. Um, that's, that's what I wanted to do. And as luck would have it, I, I had to stay here. Some, some family things came up and so I took a last-minute internship with this, this group called the Institute, which was just launching out of Wilkes University. It was focused on research and uh, analyzing different documents and work at the Brookings Institute. And so I'm like, well, hey, I need my internship credits. I'll do it. Next thing I knew before I finished, I got a, a job offer uh, with them to serve as an analyst. So I stuck with it and built some interesting development plans for communities locally one of which was in the South Valley Partnership, which is the city of Nanticoke, another third-class city adjacent to Wilkes-Barre here, uh, about integrating the community college into their downtown to revitalize it. And the, the project just kind of took me by storm. Met with the local representative there from the state uh, to talk about it more. And before we finished our lunch, he said he was excited to have me on as his chief of staff. So next thing you know, I was in the government side, but got to take the initial planning side take that as, the, as the, the architectural essential design of the project and help secure the public and private funds 
to make that project come to life. And then saw a culinary arts institute build, saw a health science building go in, saw private healthcare starting to build around it. Uh, so for me, that economic development bug bit me. It bit me hard. And for me, it's been no looking back. I, I absolutely love it. We could talk about the job creation. As you know, jobs are one thing. The impact is the other. That's the thing that gets me. I can't picture myself ever being in sports marketing now. I think this is something that I was meant to find a way to and uh, absolutely love it. It's just, it's just a great, great job to wake up to every morning and go and do well, if you like sports, you like to compete. And I do think that is part of being a good economic developer is you're always competing for the next, not only project, but, you know, next thing that's going to change the town. You got to have something that drives you other than the paycheck. And so I'm sure, I'm sure that drives you. What tips might you have? We have folks that listen who just got into the business, young, right out of college, project managers. If they want to advance in their careers, what have you learned that you wish somebody would have told you when you first started? We just actually just, we just had a junior leadership here. I just had about 80 high school students in, in the Think Center about an hour ago. I tell the same thing that I tell them and college students, young professionals, don't choose your first job, choose your first mentor. And I think that's absolutely critical. So if you're looking to get into economic development, you, there's, as you know, so many pathways that that could take you. But if you're not underneath someone that is just going to show you some amazing ways to not only grow yourself personally, professionally, you're going to struggle. So I think that is always a great tip if you're getting into this profession, because there's so many ins and outs, there's so many different things, you know, all the textbooks and the LinkedIn learnings that you want to do, that's one thing, but to sit and hear some of the stories. And I still am so fortunate to, you know, get a chance to work under someone like Terry Ohms that, that I started my career with, who not only was doing economic development here, but out in California as well. Uh, folks like Steve Baruch, who I get to get uh, involved with projects now, the history that they could bring, um, it's amazing. So I think that is such a critical piece. Make sure you find that person, because not only will they help you grow personally, but professionally as well. I like that. Choose your mentor first, not the job first. So yeah, that uh, absolutely that makes a lot of sense. Uh, that's kind of what happened to me, as it turns out. I, I wasn't strategic enough to do that purposely. So, give these <laughs> folks your website or contact information if they want to learn more about your area or you. Absolutely, WolfsbearConnect.org is our main site. As I mentioned, we have our Connect Conference that is is uh, live as well. That's WBConnectConference.com. Uh, you can check us out. You can contact me anyway through there. I'm a huge fan of LinkedIn. I do a ton of work through there. So that's always the best way I seem to be reaching out to folks. So you can constantly see that some of the things that we've got on, some of the programs, some of the launches that we're doing. So whether it's LinkedIn or our websites, that, that's kind of the best way to find us. All right. Is there anything about Wilkes Bear that you want to share with the folks that I didn't ask you? Well, I think for us, you know, five years ago when we set out and told people that we wanted to be a hub of innovation, people thought we were completely crazy. <laughs> and I think for us, sometimes in our field, you've got to take that bold step that kind of sets the goal out there and forces you to run. We're just scratching the surface. I know that we're going to continue to grow here. We're going to be a force. But I think more importantly, we'll always remember that we're Wilkes-Barre. And, that, and that's okay. And so for us, we're never going to be Philly or New York or Silicon Valley. That's okay. For us, we're Wilkes-Barre. We're confident in what we can do. We're going to continue to evolve. 
and B, just an unbelievable opportunity for, for people to, to start a business here, which what really drives us. Well, and I can tell you, your name has gotten out there. I mean, I've seen you guys stuff at shows and talked about, so I think, uh, I think you're certainly making traction. So, Joseph, thank you for spending a few minutes with us today, and I'll have to come on your podcast now to return the favor. Well, absolutely. You're going to be getting that email soon. Don't you worry. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much.